This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. I'm Alistair Roberts. I'm the Rappaport Professor of Law and Public Policy at Suffolk University Law School, and I'm affiliated with the Rappaport Center for Law and Public Service. And this is the Rappaport Center's Public Policy Podcast Series. Our guest today is Mark Rodwin. Mark is a professor of law at Suffolk University Law School, and he's the author of many articles on health law, ethics, politics, and policy. His previous book was Medicine, Money, and Morals, uh, Physicians' Conflict of Interest, and it was published by Oxford University Press in 1993. And he's here to talk about his new book, just published by Oxford University Press this month, Conflicts of Interest and the Future of Medicine. Uh, Mark, welcome, and could you tell us a, a bit about what the book is about? Thank you for inviting me. I wanted to look at how conflicts of interest are treated across nations and across time, because in my previous book I looked really at the U.S. and how the medical profession differed from other professions. So I wanted to find out, would other countries have different problems or advice about what worked or not. Can you give me a sense of what you're thinking about when you talk about conflicts of interest? What For a consumer of health services in the United States, what would be the hot spots here? I like to distinguish uh, sources, six sources of conflicts of interest, um, and we can get into more detail under each of them. But one kind of source is the physician as an entrepreneur, profiting, selling uh, services and the like. And any kind you have private practice, there are a range of conflicts of interest uh, from that when the doctor is an entrepreneur. Uh, another source would be the doctor as investor in uh, facilities, hospitals and the like, an extension of the entrepreneur conflict. A third range are the ties that doctors have with third parties, such as drug companies or uh, insurers or other providers, because this may give them an incentive to uh, favor certain services and act in the interest of those they have financial ties rather than the patients when they make decisions and advice. A fourth category of conflicts of interest arise from how doctors are paid. If you uh, pay them by fee-for-service, that creates an incentive to provide more services. And as George Bernard Shaw pointed out in 1911, that's going to encourage doctors to cut off more legs than if you didn't pay them for each time they did it. Uh, But the other ways of paying doctors create other kinds of conflicts of interest. You can reward them for reducing services. And I look at the range from capitation payment to salary and how these uh, differ. Also, Another source of problems come from physicians being employees. The medical profession long thought that that created conflicts because the patient could, uh, the doctor would be loyal to the employer rather than to the patient. And so that gives you a, a sense of the range. And obviously within each area, you can distinguish between different kinds and degrees of entrepreneurship and different ways of payment and how uh, employment relationships are structured. But what I'm trying to do is look at this 
carefully and thoughtfully rather than to cast stones at one party or one force of conflict of interest. They're not all the same, they're not all perhaps equally bad or risky, but I want to show the field. And then there may be some that are easier to address or solve than others, but at least we um, have this in mind. And what I mean by conflict of interest is not that the doctor acts inappropriately, but that there is a role or an incentive that may compromise their independent judgment and advice or their loyalty to the patient. So any situation that might encourage or tempt or promote the doctor making clinical choices to promote their own income or that of an employer or insurer or the advantage of a third party is a conflict of interest. And all they really do is say, this is a situation that perhaps you ought to worry about. And then the question is, what do you do? And we're not going to get a world where we eliminate all conflicts. Uh, on the other hand, it's not the case that there's nothing that can be done either. What the analysis does is suggest problems or potential problems, and then we can ask other questions. Are there different ways of organizing medical care that reduces uh, the conflicts of interest, their presence, or can we mitigate them by some kind of other changes in oversight or reform or financing? And some may be very easy to deal with and some not, and then that helps you make choices. So let me give one example. We now uh, frequently have continuing medical education financed by pharmaceutical companies as an effort to market drugs, and that could uh, bias the advice given and the topics offered. Well, there are conflicts of interest there. The question we have to ask is, do we just say they're inevitable? Or do we try to address them by, say, uh, having financing come from another source? Or do we uh, introduce some kind of rules or regulations to deal with them? And the same for other conflicts. I can give some other examples if, if you want, but I wanted to see if you had... Well, I'm curious to know, uh, would you say in the United States, is conflict of interest uh, a problem that sort of manifests in say, excessive spending or inefficiency in the healthcare system, or is it more severe than that? Does it go to quality of care as well? My favorite answer for a lot of legal questions is, is it depends. And so since we're talking about all conflicts of interest, of course it, it depends on which we're talking about. But they can be very serious. The ideal situation would be a doctor acting for the patient as their agent. And when you have a conflict of interest, that compromises that role. So yes, that can lead to poor quality uh, medical care. It can lead to, when doctors are paid to reduce services, denying services and skimping on care. It can lead to doctors referring to other providers that are not the best. It can lead to doctors 
performing surgery, taking out tissue that they shouldn't. So those can be very serious uh, healthcare uh, quality issues. It could lead to patients getting advice about what their needs are, which is uh, wrong or inappropriate. Another range of issues, of course, is cost. Uh, In some cases, some of the conflicts may lead, say, to prescribing unnecessary tests uh, in a way that earns money. Well, you can say it's just money. Um, Perhaps that's so if it's a blood test, but if it's an x-ray or CAT scan, now you're getting radiation that's not necessary and that's risk, and you may have some false positives and some other treatment. So it is both a problem for the financing and cost of medical care, which is a major problem and makes it harder to insure everyone, and it's a issue for the quality of care. In my view, it's it's the future of medicine. What is it? What is the profession? Because if we don't deal with this in one way, other approaches become the default. And so it's also a crisis for the profession. And what has happened over the years is society has moved from granting physicians full autonomy and discretion over medical care toward intervening more. Some of that may be good, but there are also costs to that. And there's something valuable about uh, professionalism, and, and there is some need to rely on the advice of physicians. And if we want that to continue and not be compromised, then the problems of these conflicts of interest have to be addressed uh, I think, for the future. Let me ask just one last question. This is a comparative uh, book. You're looking at the United States, uh, France, and Japan. What can we learn about the way other countries regulate conflicts of interest? Well, I think two things. One is uh, that things we view as the natural order aren't, and uh, isn't it funny how they do it differently elsewhere, and I'll give them examples. But there's also evidence, kind of like a natural controlled trial, about what works or doesn't. So let me give two examples. There are groups in the U.S. and well-known scholars that say the whole problem is due to for-profit investor-owned firms. They certainly are an important source of problems. But some of these people would suggest what you need is physician control and non-profits. Well, when you turn to Japan, we see that after World War II, they banned investor-owned hospitals. That sounds like the ideal. Uh, Now physicians are the owners uh, and the state. And uh, some people would say, well, that's great. You'll get rid of the conflicts of interest. But it turns out, if you look, uh, that they haven't done that, that these so-called non-for-profit hospitals that doctors own that don't pay dividends engage in great overuse of services, don't have a charitable mission, and have a horrible overuse of drugs because that's how they're reimbursed. So it may be that nonprofits often are much better or or help, but you've got to look a bit more carefully than say that that's the simple solution. Another example of physicians in control in France, for example, they have a group called the Order of Physicians, which is basically the 
organized medical profession that licenses and disciplines and has a code of ethics. They limit a lot of market activity, and you would think, well, that's great. That's a wonderful system for if you don't want the external market forces that are so crazy in America. And it turns out they don't solve all the problems. That order of physician is very close to the pharmaceutical industry. They've even uh, developed rules that allow farmer to finance things, which the AMA and farmer in the U.S. don't. Uh, and it's a system where it's much greater physician control. This is not to say that we've got it all easy here, but what this shows you is there are different ways of structuring this. And let me give one example of something that might work but might go too far. Um, so one of the problems in the U.S. is doctors profiting from providing ancillary services. So if they just provided services but not the tests, and they were done at an independent center, as they are done in France, you wouldn't have doctors uh, having that conflict of interest providing the tests to make money. There's still a question of how far you want to go. In France, if you want a vaccine, the doctor prescribes it. The patient goes to the drugstore, buys the vaccine, returns for a second appointment to the doctor to get it injected. That might be a little too far for American taste, but it shows you the options, and we can limit it and not go that far. And so I think it should help us think about the options more clearly. If I've done that, then I'll uh, be pretty happy. Mark, this is a fascinating study of law and policy design, and uh, I'm very grateful that you could uh, join us today. My pleasure. Thanks. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.